season of Thanksgiving. We ordered them uh, correctly, and I love the Thanksgiving time. In fact, our family, as soon as we're done with church today, man, we're getting in a car, and we've got our family meeting us in uh, uh, Colorado, that's where my family's from, we're going to enjoy a few extra days and then the holiday with them, and Thanksgiving's a good time. You get a little family, you get a whole lot of food, you get some football, then you get a nap, and then you get more food, and then maybe another nap followed by some more food before you make your way to bed. But uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful time, and I wish you and your family an absolute uh, great, great Thanksgiving season. But really, what we're going to enjoy on Thursday, it's not just the food and the football and the family and all the rest of it, it's, it's the meaning behind it all. In 1620, 102 pilgrims came to this continent, and the large motivator for them was religious freedom. And they came here with hopes and dreams and desires and ambitions, and yet what history tells us is in the course of the next year, 56 of them would die. Some from starvation, some froze to death, some from disease. 56 of them would die. Yet in 1621, 46 of those pilgrims who remained And 91 of their new friends that they called Indians gathered together and the tradition we call today Thanksgiving began at that time. People came together with hearts of thankfulness. Now we could think, wait a minute, why are you so thankful? More than half your people just died. You've gone through untold difficulties. I mean, you've endured so much. How is it that you guys could gather together at a time you call Thanksgiving? They had every reason to be depressed and discouraged, but they chose to give thanks. And I think we all can learn from that, that Thanksgiving has much less to do with what's happening around you. It has much more to do with what's happening within you. There's no disputing this year that we've all gone through adversity. Thanksgiving is not burying our head in the sands and acting as though all is well at the moment. I think as a nation, we're still reeling from the amazing storms that came to our our country in, in recent days. I think of these shootings. We seem to hear about a new one every week. I think of the division in our country, and I've used the analogy, but the pendulum has swung left to right for years and years, but it is swinging at such a dramatic rate. The division in our country is unbelievable. In fact, there there have been a whole lot of emphasis uh, this season on how to have peace with your family around a Thanksgiving table when when your views differ. You'd think if anywhere in the world there'd be a a place of peace, it'd be a family Thanksgiving dinner. The division is so incredible. It would be a reasonable question if someone asked, why are we supposed to be thankful if there's so much going on that's wrong in the world? Or maybe we would say, even in my own life. And I think that would be a reasonable question. But I want you to know today, that's an answerable question. There's an answer to that question for you today. And in Christ, we have so much for which to give thanks. But but the mature heart of someone who has thanksgiving, it runs deeper than giving thanks just for what God has given to us or what He has done for us. Real thanksgiving begins not by thanking Him for what He has done, but by thanking Him for who He is. His nature, the heart from which the good things come. And we have a passage before us today that has a lot to say about this topic. And and, uh, it's a passage that was written in a very difficult time. It's a relatively small book of the Old Testament, Habakkuk. And uh, it's interesting, so much of of what we call the book of Habakkuk was a complaint. (laughs) Someone was pouring their hearts out to God. And then they get to the end of the book and say, in essence, well, I'll thank you anyways. I'll praise you anyways. In fact, it ends with a song of praise. And I want us to consider really just the closing verses of this great book of the Bible together today. And if you're able, I'd like to invite you to join me in standing out of respect for the reading of God's Word, Habakkuk chapter 3. 
And again, I'm so glad you guys are here. This is one of those unusual weekends where we have so many of our families traveling all over, and I get that. And, and sometimes we're blessed. We'll have other people, uh, other families, friends and families of those in our church visiting with us. And it's a fantastic time. It was good to see Justin up here playing the guitar today, back home from school for the weekend. We put him to work right away, you know. And uh, I'm, I'm just so glad to share this time with you. Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 17. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold. And there shall be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and He will make my feet like hinds feet. And He will make me to walk upon mine high places, to the chief singer upon my stringed instruments it's a pretty bleak scenario that's put forth here by Habakkuk but I want you to take note in the beginning of verse 18 his testimony in the midst of all of this says this yet I will rejoice in the Lord our father we are thankful today that it is your nature to be that good good father we sang about a moment ago Lord I pray that you'd open our hearts this morning uh, help us to see you for who you are and to see our needs for what they are and Lord may we only find our sufficiency in you we pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. The moment of the writing of Habakkuk was a tough one. The king of Judah, a king by the name of Jehoiakim, had led the people away from God. And any time a nation is led away from God, they can go ahead and expect difficulties. And that was what was happening in the land at, at this time. God was going to be bringing judgment their way because of their poor decisions. And, and Habakkuk, who, who wrote the book, he did not really have a problem with the judgment of God upon the nation who had disobeyed the laws of God. If God says, don't touch that, it's hot, and you touch it, you can expect to get burned. And, and Habakkuk was a man of God. He, frankly, had no problem at all with God judging his people for being disobedient followers. What Habakkuk had a problem with was the means or the methodology by which God was going to be judging his people. God was going to judge his people who were a nation by bringing another nation to judge them. And Habakkuk's thought was this, God, how can you use a nation that's worse than we are to judge us? That, that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't compute. I, I just don't understand. But he concluded, but nevertheless, I'm going to rejoice and praise you and thank you anyhow. He, he basically said, God, you're God. You're going to do what you're going to do and you're free to do that. I don't always understand what you do. But you're God, and I'm going to thank you anyhow. God, come what may, I'll be praising you. If someone were to say to Habakkuk today, Habakkuk, you're a smart guy. Uh, why, why don't you answer us this question? We've got a lot of bad things happening in our day. Why do you think all of that is happening? I think Habakkuk would say, well, I, I don't have all those answers. I didn't have them in my time. I'm not going to have those answers for your time. But, but although I don't know that, let me tell you what I do know. I know God. And God is good, and God is faithful, and, and God is just, and He's always worthy of thanksgiving. It was His theology or His beliefs that allowed Him to view life in such a way that even when it seemed as though there were chaos and things He didn't understand, He still could have a heart of thanksgiving. 
And so I, I want to know today what Habakkuk knew in his day. What allowed Habakkuk in the midst of really calamity to have a heart that would say, God, I'm just going to thank you anyhow. If you have your notes nearby, I'd like for you to follow along this morning as we learn what this uh, man of God learned. The first element in our study today is this. Disappointments are inevitable, but discouragement is a choice. Disappointments are inevitable, but discouragement is a choice. Now, I want us to go back to the beginning of the verses we read, verse 17, and I want you to just listen as I read through this. And keep in mind, we're, we're thinking here of a, of a society that made its living from farming and from herds and, and so forth. And the Bible says this, Although the fig tree shall not blossom, Neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Now, I know that verse can sound a little bit strange from our modern-day mindset, but basically Habakkuk was saying this, God, every facet of our economy could fail. Everything we trust in could fail. Everything we're depending on could fail. All of it, Lord, could, could just absolutely fall. But I'm going to thank you anyhow. Listen, friends, there's a powerful truth found in that understanding. We learn that disappointments in life are inevitable, but discouragement is a choice. I love how the Apostle Paul dealt with this situation in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 18. He said it this way, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And I think it's interesting there that Paul didn't write, For everything give thanks. He said, In everything give thanks. In other words, in the midst of those things we go through that we would say aren't thankworthy, there's a God who's right there with us. And so when we're in the midst of it, we can be thankful. And God says this is His will for us. Uh, uh, in our lives when your view of life is based upon a belief in a good God you can come to understand that any setback you experience very well may be a divine setup for a comeback you can understand what we read of in Romans 8 where the apostle Paul said and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called according to his purpose I was reading some things on Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving was on my mind rather as I was reading some things and, and I read something that I'd heard before but during the time of Jesus Christ it was very common for, for uh, the, those Jewish people to pray three times daily and it was a, a prayer they referred to as the 18 Beatitudes or uh, Benedictions rather, 18 Benedictions. I began to think on that, and they said it was a process whereby the people were seeking to cultivate grateful hearts. Now, now the word benediction, uh, bene, we can think of like benefit. It, it just means good. And diction, we can think like a dictionary. Good, good words. They, they prayed this prayer, the 18 benedictions. They were, they were good words. They were thanking God. In the morning, they'd awake, and they'd say, blessed are you, God, 18 times. A good way to start their day. In the middle of their day, they would pray, Blessed are you, Lord, who abundantly forgives. And about lunchtime, we're probably all thinking about that time as we're praying, Lord, you have forgiven me already. You've been, you've been good. They'd close their day by saying, Blessed are you, God. Again, to cultivate hearts of thanksgiving. They wanted their focus to be on God. In fact, the Hebrew word for thanksgiving, listen, listen to the definition of this beautiful word. Thanksgiving in the Hebrew dictionary is defined this way. Recognizing the good. Now, I don't know how God wired you, but I am expert at recognizing the bad. And if I want to be thankful, I need to learn to recognize the good. In the midst of circumstances that, that can discourage, we would do well to look to 
God and to see Him is good. This year, for really the first time in my life, I went through a season where it seemed like discouragement moved in and it didn't move out. And as I went through that time, I began to think about what was happening in my life. And I had to learn to practice the very same thing I'm seeking to preach to you today. I had to come to the understanding that, that, that we're going to go through some things in life and they're not always enjoyable things. But, but I had to realize that discouragement, that, that's a flesh thing. That's, that's personal to me. But, but I could come to the point where I could turn my focus back to God. I have these glasses I wear sometimes when I remember. And uh, I, I always want to read the text out of the Bible on Sunday morning. I know I could type it out on a piece of paper and blow it up and see it, but I just something about reading out of the Bible. I, I like to do that. And so when I put my glasses on, these words get bigger. I can see them. But when I look up at you guys, you all look really funny to me right now. Okay. Like I can tell there are people out there, but on, honestly, beyond about the first or second row, uh, I probably couldn't even tell who you are exactly. You're just kind of faces out there, okay? And, um, and I, I began to think about this. You know, when, when I was going through this time of discouragement, what I did is I put, I put my discouragement glasses on to really analyze the problem. And I think to a degree, we, we have to understand when we're going through something, we, we need to look at it. But then I would keep these glasses on and I'd look at the rest of my life and everything looked messed up and a little bit fuzzy. And, and I had to come to the place where I'd say, you know what, God? Disappointments, man, that's just the part of life. That's just the way it's going to go. But, but I want to take these glasses off. And God, I want to look to you and see you for who you are. Praise you for the good things you've done in my life. Yes, there are some difficulties that are there. That's part of life. But God, I want to praise you. You're a great God. Habakkuk understood that. Disappointments, they're inevitable. Discouragement, it's a choice. Here's a second thought that was on his heart. Circumstances change, but God never does. Now, so back it continues. He says that in spite of the troubles in his life, he was just going to thank God. I want you to listen to how he says it in the end of verse 18. He said, I will, I will. This was a volitional act. Okay. He made a decision. Let me tell you what I'm going to do. I will joy in the God of my salvation. His circumstances had changed, but our God who saves never does. God in Malachi 3 and verse 6 said it this way, For I am the Lord, I change not. I change not. In Hebrews 13, we read this of Jesus. The Bible says Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. In James chapter 1, James, the younger brother of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, said this, Every good and every perfect gift is from above. It cometh down from the Father of lights, listen, with whom, the Bible says, is no variableness, Neither shadow of turning. In other words, the good gifts come from a good God who never changes. He's perpetually the same. There's no variableness in Him. Circumstances change, but it's good for us to remember today. God never, ever changes. Job learned this. There was a time when Job seemed to have everything in the world. I mean, he was the richest man in the world. And in that time, God was good. And then there was a time where Job lost everything. And he had to learn in that time. God was still good. And then Job got everything back and, and, and then a lot on top. And in that time, he realized that God is good. You see, through that whole roller coaster he went through in the course of his life, he understood that heading into it, God was good. When he was in the midst of it, God was good. When he came out of it, God was good. His circumstances were changing by the moment, but he learned to find help by realizing God is good. He's good. 
Let's never forget that. In fact, in the end of verse 18, he refers to God as the God of my salvation. The term salvation means to be delivered or rescued. And it's good to know that when our circumstance changes, that we have a God who can deliver us from the ever-changing circumstances that we find ourselves in. In fact, we would never know of God's ability to provide that salvation in that, in that sense if it weren't for the difficult moments which we're going. I helped a friend who was going through a difficult time. She had lost her husband. And, and uh, as we were talking, I said, well, how are you doing? It had been a little while. And she said something to me, frankly, that it's not that unusual for me to hear from Christians who go through seasons of tremendous adversity and loss. What she said to me was this. She said, it's been very, very tough, but I've never known peace in my life ever. Like now. Now, that's a testimony that a Christian can give when they understand their circumstances change, but God has never changed. She she wasn't saying it was an enjoyable experience, but she was saying, you know, as I had a a lack or a void of peace going through this situation, God came in and he filled that void to overflowing. She never had a need for that specific ministry of the grace of God or the peace of God in her work before that moment. It was that change of circumstance that allowed her to once again be reminded of how wonderful God is. I want you to think about the eternal work of spiritual salvation. For those who've accepted Jesus Christ by faith, we read in in John chapter 10 and verse 28, and Jesus said this, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Never. It's eternal life. They'll never perish. He's emphasizing. He said, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Listen, if we're believers, Jesus said, it's as though you're in my hand and nobody's going to get you out of there. Listen, I'm a man. I can't even pluck myself out of the hand of Jesus. I am secure in him. In Hebrews 13, the Bible says, let your conversation or your lifestyle be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. God is saying in your life, you'll go through some things, but be content with that one thing you'll never lose. If you're a believer, you'll never lose God. He's always with you. All of this kind of gives us the idea that this world is not all there is. When we go through times of loss, it's good to be reminded that if we are spiritually saved, we can always rejoice in the reality that we are accepted in Jesus, that we have his peace and direction in our lives, and we have the hope of a home in heaven one day. Those truths alone give us a reason to be thankful every single day of our life. If you're a believer today, you can wake up every day and say, God, thank you, I'm still saved. It's because of you. We can praise God for that. That leads us to this thought this morning. Thirdly, We can get through anything that comes our way. We can get through anything that comes our way. Now, in verse 19, we read this. The Lord God is my strength, and he'll make my feet like hinds feet, and he'll make me to walk upon mine high places. Now, I love this. This this man is testifying. He said, listen, my strength does not come from within. It's not based on what's happening around me. It's based on what God is doing inside of me. And I know that he's going to get me through. That was the heart of this man. The psalmist in Psalm 27 said it this way, The Lord's my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? 
The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? The psalmist was saying there, listen, I've got a strength in God that is far superior than the strength of any adversity I'll face in, in life. Why, why should I go through life afraid when I've got a God like that? In Isaiah 40 and verse 31, the Bible says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Friends, listen, Thanksgiving is not based on the facts that, that we've never faced a storm in our lives. It's based on the reality that with Christ we can do whatever it is that needs doing. It's the understanding that He will get us through. I think of the Apostle Paul, a man of tremendous faith. We know uh, a, a prolific writer of the New Testament, wonderful missionary, an incredible man of God. And we know that he had health struggles. Exactly what? We're not sure. The Bible references some eye problems. So probably he was dealing with some uh, eye issues. And the Bible tells us the Apostle Paul multiple times went to God and said, God, would you, would you heal my eyes? You can do that, God. It's, it's no problem for you. You're a strong God. You can heal this. This is not a big deal for you. Healing didn't come. Paul in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9 told us that God said to him, My grace is sufficient for thee. God said, Paul, I know you want that, that problem to be healed, but I've got something that's better than even that. I've got grace that will get you through. And so Paul, he learned this. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, Paul says, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul said, here I am going through a sickness, a disease that I asked God to heal. God didn't heal it. But I'm able to rejoice in the midst of it because I'm learning that God's grace really is sufficient. Nothing I'll go through that's beyond his ability to help me to do what I need to do, to be where I need to be, to go where I need to go. There are times when God chooses to calm the storms that we face, but there are other times God's going to let the storm in our life absolutely rage, while instead of calming the storm, he's calming our hearts, calming us on the inside. Habakkuk said that God would make his feet like hinds feet. And that he'll make me to walk upon mine high places. He's referring there to the hooves of a deer. And, 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 and he's saying here, I, I don't know how I'll make it through this difficult time, but I just know God's going to outfit me in just such a way so that I can travel right on through life no matter where it takes me. That's just how big my God is. So he would say, I'm, I'm not thanking God that there's no adversity in life. I'm thanking God that in spite of the adversity... And he's always there with me. I need to make sure I'm looking at things the right way. I need to realize he's, he's always there, constant. Now, he does not change. And I need to realize that because of God's grace in my life, he can get me through whatever it is that I need to get through. God will outfit me with exactly what I need to go from one low place back to the high place that he's prepared. This summer, Lisa and I were hiking in Colorado and, and the sun was going down. We were just kind of walking and talking and being kind of quiet, but as we walked, we walked up on a, on a doe and a fawn there, and, and uh, we looked at them, and they kind of looked at us. I think we surprised each other, you know, and, and, uh, and then they just kind of hopped off. If you ever seen deer uh, run, you know, they just kind of bounce, 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 and, and they kind of hopped off, but they weren't scared bad enough to completely bolt, so we thought, well, we'll just kind of 
maybe stalk them a little bit and follow them around and, and uh, we'll, we'll find them again. And we walked up on them and, and uh, as we did this, we kind of were forcing them over to like an area where there was a steep canyon. And sure enough, man, those deers, they bounded over the edge and you'd have thought that had been the end of them. I mean, you'd have thought, that's it. We scared them so bad, they jumped off a cliff, you know. But as we watched, they, they jumped off, and before we knew it, we saw them coming up the other side. Climbing the other side, you, you thought, uh, there's no way a, a deer could traverse that, something that steep. Yet they did. And then they're right back on their high places. I mean, they went through depths. You would say, there's no way they could go through that. But you see, God gave them exactly what they needed to get through the whole thing. God had prepared them for that. And I want you to know that's what God can do for us. God can work in our lives in such a way that regardless of what it is we go through, He can show us that He's the great God that we know Him to be. We're all going to go through ups and downs. And as we cultivate hearts of gratitude, we're going to find that God can use it all to get us where He wants us to go. Habakkuk learned some things. He learned disappointment is inevitable, but discouragement's a choice. He learned that circumstances change, but God never changes. And he learned that we can get through anything that comes our way in life by the power of Christ in us. And as we have Thanksgiving this week, listen, it's great to say, God, thanks for giving me this and that and for doing this and that. That's great. And I hope you get there. But understand, that's just the very top shelf when it comes to Thanksgiving. The real depths of gratitude comes. When we think, God, I really wanted that, you didn't give it to me, but I understand you're a bigger God than I could ever understand. You know what's right. You know what I need and what I don't need. God, I just want to thank you that it's your nature that's good. I want to thank you that although I would have rather avoided some of the adversity that you've outfitted me, you've equipped me with your peace and your grace. You've made my feet like hind's feet, like deer feet, Lord, so that I can traverse those different areas in my life. God can help us in that way. Our Father, we are so grateful that you're a God of love, that you know the beginning from the end, you know where we are, where we're going, you know everything in between, Lord. Open our hearts. Help us, God, to have a sense of gratitude that goes deeper than it's gone before. Our heads are bowed this morning, and 